The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Our next guest used to produce a literature designed to lure youths into terrorism. In fact, at one point, he was considered to be Al-Qaeda's chief American propagandist. But since his release from prison, he turned his skills against extremist groups. His latest project is a magazine titled Control-Alt-Delete-Hate, which uses first-person testimonies of reformed extremists to to coax foot soldiers out of radical violence. Jesse Morton joins me from Washington this afternoon. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Let's start by, you know, maybe you could share a little bit uh, about your story with my listeners, about how you Mm -hmm. became radicalized. You were born in Pennsylvania. You converted to Islam and um, and then in in 2000. What happened? Well, I think my story begins with a tumultuous childhood, though it's Mm. no excuse for what I became. Uh, I was abused as a child, ran away, and was looking for an identity. I first found my identity with far-leftist, uh, ultra-Orthodox sort of um, hippiedom, if you will. <laughs> Traveled with the hippies for several years, but found myself uh, falling into a spiral of trauma and drug addiction, uh, and was rescued by a of the autobiography of Malcolm X while in jail for the first time. That set me on a trek towards finding a sense of stability and belonging in the Islamic religion, but it also set me on a track toward wanting to emulate a man I re- that resonated with me, uh, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And I like to say that I chose the activist orientation of Islam as opposed to the actual religion uh, as proposed by the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, over time, and in the context of 9-11 and the run-up to the Iraq and Afghan wars, uh, I became more politically active and was a radical preacher at first and then became a revolutionary, adopting the ideology of Osama bin Laden. Uh, as someone who was a uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed American, it was easy for the jihadists to utilize uh, me to say and to suggest that they had one of their own. Um, I climbed the ranks rather rapidly. I was uh, in correspondence with many of the uh, most prominent charismatic preachers from the era I was active in. Uh, and started an organization with one of them, who was a Jamaican cleric who radicalized the 7-7 bombers in London, Hmm. London suicide bombers in the subway transit of 2005. Uh, We started an organization that was the very first to unabashedly promote al-Qaeda's views on American streets. And what we did was we essentially set a template upon which the future of jihadist English language propaganda would be espoused and established, and uh, largely the same template that is still being utilized today. So... We started the nefarious English-language jihadi magazine that became Al-Qaeda's Inspire, uh, ISIS's Dabik and Rumiya. Uh, we started to use uh, obscure platforms to avoid terms of service infringements from mainstream social media platforms such as Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, and YouTube. And uh, we were very much at the forefront or the pioneers of making the jihadist message, which when I was first active was diatribe from leaders in the mountains of Afghanistan, Pakistan, an hour and a half long and only in Arabic, and translating that message in a way where Western youth could be drawn to it, making it essentially Madison Avenue-like uh, propaganda, uh, recruiting uh, jihadists for the cause. Jesse, do you look back and go, what the hell was I doing? 
I do. I actually have come uh, to a large degree to recognize that it largely was a projection of personal frustration, anger, um, animosity, uh, trauma. And in order to heal from it, I had to go all the way back to that root. Um, it had nothing to do with the cause or a rational decision. It had nothing to do with what I thought was an objective truth. It had much more to do with me projecting that rage uh, onto the society that I felt had failed to protect me. Um, and for numerous reasons, people join extremist movements. Yeah. My uh, story is not the same uh, for everyone else. But today, I try to take the compassion that was shown to me as I de-radicalized as a route toward inducing other people to either not make the same mistake or if they are beginning to make the same mistake or firmly committed uh, and are currently making the same mistake to back on out of that and to consider a different perspective coming at them with empathy. You know what, when you when you tell your story and about maybe some of the, the reasons when we try to understand how this happens, I mean, Arna Michaelis has been on this show a, a couple of times, and he's tried to explain it, and um, always a, a fascinating conversation. But, yeah, it's not necessarily, as you said, the, the message that you believed in, but it's the it's the path that led you there, and, and the things that happened to you, maybe that trauma as as, as you were go, growing up, um, and, and that is... An important part, I think, for, for a number of people to, to understand as well. Now, you talk about the um, the kindness that you were that you were shown. You were arrested in 2011 after yeah. threatening the creators of South Park for mocking uh, the Prophet Muhammad. You spent three and a half years in jail where you were de-radicalized. How does mm-hmm. one become de-radicalized? Can you tell us about the journey of de-radicalization? Because some, I, I can guarantee you that on my text line right now, some people are like, I don't believe it. I don't don't believe it can yeah 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 and 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 understandably so uh there has to be compassion for that position and we have to earn the belief that we are sincere every day in our behavior and our actions that have to speak louder than our previous words so yeah my de-radicalization is is a process and it's an ongoing process the first thing that precedes de-radicalization is disengagement and Mm -hmm. i was lucky enough to disengage by running away from what I knew would become criminal charges in the United States and leaving and fleeing to Morocco where I lived for over a year before the United States government arrested me. And while I was in Morocco, I was able to watch as the Arab Spring unfolded. And I was teaching uh, Arab millennial youth uh, GRE and GMAT, the pre-master's degree tests that would allow them to potentially go on to study in Western countries. And the hypocrisies, apart from that one, uh, became uh, apparent uh, as I started to gravitate towards the humor, uh, towards the, uh, the, the, the personalities uh, that I was interacting with and found that it really was absurd to believe that a top-down approach to implementing this fundamentalist uh, Islamic state based on 7th century law, that it really was not the way that you'd even have, that it would be even possible to secure some sort of support. Oh, doubt. Just, yeah, you're breaking up a little bit there, Jesse, sorry. Uh, it, it, it cast a seed of doubt that allowed me to progress so that while I was incarcerated in Morocco, I was in connection with a radical, uh, charismatic preacher that I had translated his works with. He was incarcerated from 2005 on. His name was Mohamed Fizazi. And when he left prison, he started to write op-eds in the Moroccan press talking about why he had denounced his former views. So that put me in contact with my very first former jihadist, and it was I, I thought I was going to be spending a large portion of the rest of my life in prison. Uh, but it still swayed me and made me realize that to a large degree I had thrown away my life for something that um, 
was 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 just so ludicrous. Mm. Um, by the time they they came to pick me up uh, in Morocco and fly me back to the United States, I was starting to change. I was housed in solitary confinement, and a prison guard there, with compassion and empathy, decided that the solitary conditions, 23 hours in a cell each day, uh, could be bypassed by allowing me to go to the law library four days a week for 10-hour shifts. Um, and uh, it was there in that law library that I read Encyclopedia Britannica's great books of the Western world and started to dabble back into the Western philosophers. Um, when I was sentenced to 11 and a half years in prison originally, I did a debriefing uh, process with the FBI, and it was there that a female agent showed me compassion and showed me empathy as well, uh, started to see that I was changing and recognized that a lot of my former associates Oh, Jesse, you're breaking up there again. Sorry. I, there you go. But, uh, I became an asset of the FBI mm. uh, and uh, was released after three years and uh, eight months of incarceration. Went uh, public uh, in uh, 2016 as America's first uh, former jihadist. And it's been a process of healing uh, ever since because when you extract the ideology, it's one thing, but the ideology is like an opiate. So yeah. everything that preceded the uh, joining of the extremist movement was still there. And so now I have to navigate back through that trauma and I have to do the real deep healing uh, that is real, true de-radicalization. Uh, Jesse, I need to take a quick break here, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about this magazine, Control, Alt, Delete, Hate, uh, what you're hoping, what it looks like, what it's going to do. You talk about disengagement, and I think that is a, a starting point, uh, and that's a part of this magazine. Let's talk about that when we come back. Jesse Morton is telling us a story about how he was radicalized and then uh, the process he went to de-radicalize and how uh, his work now is is helping others do the same thing. Jesse joins me from Washington this afternoon. Jesse, I'm just curious, do, do you know of any of the work that you did that actually led to, you know, pain and suffering, people dying? Do you know... Well, we were connected to 15 different terrorist plots. I ran an organization based in New York City called Revolution Muslim. By the time we were through, we were connected to at least 15 different terrorist plots on four different continents. Wow. And one of the things that I started were the English-language jihadi magazines that, after my organization threatened South Park writers, uh, Anwar Aoudaki and Samir Khan, the two American jihadists that started that initiative with me, uh, launched Al-Qaeda's own edition called Inspire. Mm -hmm. And in that very first edition, there was an article called How to Build a Bomb in Mom's Kitchen. Yeah. That was the recipe that was utilized by the Boston Marathon bombers mm. uh, and many others uh, from that time forward. And so, yes, the, that's just one example of the nefarious legacy uh, left behind by um, my previous work, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and how, how, do you, how do you live with that? You have to try to do the best you can every single day um, to make amends for it. I feel like I've been honored uh, by the opportunity to now operate in this space of counter-radicalization. Yeah. I cannot say that I will ever be able to fully make up for what I uh, did. Uh, however, uh, the ambition and the hope is that we can do as much good as we can do um, and that uh, I can try to save uh, other lives, uh, whether we realize that there were lives saved or not. Um, you can't prove a negative, so to say, so you don't know if talking to someone 
will actually save a life. Yeah. Um, but uh, but we do this work with uh, the intention of trying to make amends and trying to heal at the same time. So Control Alt Delete, uh, Control Alt Delete Hate is a magazine that just uh, went out this this week. Tell us about it. How how will it work to try to help? people and get people out of uh, being radicalized. So Control Alt Delete Hate is a glossy online easing that will also be put into print, be distributed uh, in community. Um, it is largely based on a template, the template that I referenced in this interview, the mm. English language Jihadi magazine. A couple of months ago, uh, my partner and I, my partner is the former director of intelligence at the NYPD that monitored me for many years mm. of my life. Uh, we decided that the nefarious legacy of those magazines needed put to an end, and we designed a product that looked like it, that outdid the jihadist graphic design, that deconstructed their arguments, and then also put forth a positive alternative paradigm. Um, we called it Ahopakwa, and it was the very first uh, counter-jihadist magazine that was uh, embedded in these dark corners of the Internet that extremists are now running to. And in the process of building that out, we were also meeting with other former extremists and doing a lot of intervention work with people that were on the far right. Yeah. So the demand for far right wing or counter far right wing work in the radicalization, de-radicalization space is mounting and it's definitely proven significant. So yesterday uh, we first put the uh, magazine Control Alt Delete Hate online. That is essentially the same thing that the Counter Jihadi magazine was, but mm -hmm. it's targeted polarization, hate, and extremism in the English speaking world. And so it includes articles from nine different uh, former extremists and victims of extremism giving their background and telling their stories. And it's essentially an effort in the first issue to introduce a cast of characters that have been in the shoes of extremists. There also are interventionists. So from Canada, we have Brad Galloway, who's become a very close friend uh, and does this kind of work, who's a former white nationalist leader. Um, and we have others like Frank Mink, who mm -hmm. uh, the movie Autobiography of Malcolm X, uh, of uh, American History X was made on. Uh, we have Jeff Scoop, who recently left the National Socialist Movement, having led it for 27 years. And those, that magazine will be a tool that will address the problem of polarization, hate, and extremism holistically. So we'll print it out, we'll use it in trainings, we'll use it in speeches at uh, public levels uh, in order to generate awareness of the warning signs of, uh, of, of radicalization, in order to generate uh, an understanding that people can come out of these movements, and in order to let communities know that we exist so that we can assist them. Online, we will now aggressively embed it in radical and extremist uh, networks, uh, especially in the dark corners of the Internet. Uh, and we'll use it as a conversation starter where we aggressively reach out in one-on-one -on -one direct messaging applications to try to identify those that are firmly committed or are at least uh, seriously considering a, a, a formal or a firm commitment in an extremist organization, particularly on the far right. Um, and then what we do is we provide intervention services. We have conducted uh, over 100 already in our first six months of operation. Uh, we've, been, we've been contacted by at least 100 individuals, and this wow. magazine will amplify that, vo that, that voice. So it's an effort to expand what we call the parallel network, a network built on principles antithetical to hate and extremism that can offer the same sense of meaning 
significance, identity, uh, camaraderie, and ideology that extremists offer their recruits. Jesse, before I let you go, uh, because we're almost out of time here, do you believe that we're making a headway against extremism? Do you believe that there's more today, or is it just more vocal? It just seems that it's become so loud over the past number of years. It has become loud, and it's an indication of a fracturing of our political system and the uh, lack of belief in the democratic processes and in the liberal order. Uh, we have to address the symptoms of that disease. That's what Control-Alt-Delete-Aid essentially does. But also, we believe that culture has to change. And so we talk a lot about the need to change the context and the environment in which extremism thrives. The only way that we are going to be able to turn the chaos that has become our uh, polarization and uh, the chaos that has become the expressions of that polarization on the extremes as terrorism and as political and social and cultural violence is if we're able to attack at the root and we're able to induce the next wave of human consciousness, if you will. I have strong belief now uh, that I've come full circle in this thing in the power of humanity and in the power of humanity to, even when it looks like things are going to fall apart and things are increasingly getting worse, to pull it together and to recognize that in chaos and in crises, there is an opportunity, but only if we appreciate what Albert Einstein once said, which is that no problem has ever been solved at the same level of consciousness that created it. Hmm. In so many ways, we have an opportunity to elevate our existence as a result of that recognizing, you know, how we got into this mess in the first place. We've been fighting the war on terror for 18 years, and now the war on terror is coming home to our own shores. Yeah. That's something that we should all sit back and ponder. Um, and think about when we really think about how we can attract uh, the roots of, of this increasingly metastasizing and increasingly growing more violent, uh, these, these movements. Uh, we're living in an age of extremisms that are all mutually reinforcing and intersecting with one another, and we really have to elevate above uh, the uh, same level of consciousness as the extremists in order to combat it. That's what our efforts are all about at the end of the day. Jesse, you've given us a lot to think about today, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. You still have a lot of work ahead of you, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime. Thank you for this. Thank you. Take care. Jesse Morton joining us this afternoon from Washington.